My name's Si, if you didn't know that, by the way. And uh, thank you for praying for me, Tom and Sarah, as we went to Germany uh, two weekends ago. We had a great time with the church out there, uh, seeing, if you don't know um, your your history, it's a church where um, that area was where the Moravian movement started, and um, a great missionary movement across the world happened from there. A hundred-year prayer meeting uh, happened there 24-7. It's where Count Zinzendorf was. And Tom and Sarah, in particular, have uh, good relations with the uh, church there, and they're very keen to... um, uh, yeah, to just explore what links God is opening with us as well as the leaders there. So it's quite exciting. So do uh, be praying uh, for uh, them and us. There's lots of things we can learn from them as well. They're a church about half our size. And last year they had a six-month 24-7 prayer meeting. So, uh, you know, there's, uh, there's some stuff that uh, we could definitely uh, be learning for them, but from them. So please uh, be uh, praying for, for, for that link and seeing what God opens up. Um, and also to mention that from there, and this, this would have to say, I went with slightly mixed motives. I had the best and biggest kebab I think I have ever had. I, I have to say that was actually part of my excitement about going because Tom had sent me a video of the kebab he had out there. And it was like, I don't care how many other meals we're having. When I go, I want that kebab. And uh, yeah, it lived up to my expectations. So uh, uh, there, there you go. So if, uh, if people start going there and putting on weight, you understand, uh, you understand why. Anyway, we've been looking at this series of preparing the way for the Lord and looking very much about how uh, we've been focusing on preparing the way in our own hearts, in our own lives and in society around us. But today I want to look at the the path that God would have us go down, the, the, the way that he has prepared for us to walk on and the way that he would advise us not to walk on. For as Andy's made clear, and that's why I wanted him to share that bit, because it ties in very well with what God gave me to bring this morning. Jesus is clear. There are two ways in life, ultimately, before God. There is living life your way, which actually ultimately is influenced by the world around you and the devil who is behind that as well, whether you recognize that or not. Or there's living God's way. Jesus said clearly in Matthew 7, verse 13 to 14, and this is where we're going to sort of uh, uh, camp today in, our, in, in my message. He said, Enter by the narrow gate, for the way is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. But for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. And today, I want to look at those two destinations of uh, destruction and life, if we go God's way or uh, our way, how you enter through the narrow gate, and then I'll uh, briefly close by looking at what the journey is like on those two different paths. The way to destruction and the way to life are the two stark destinations that God makes clear is the, is the destination for all of humanity, past, present, and future. Hebrews 9, 27 
says, it is appointed for man to die once. And after that comes judgment. One in one people die. It's the ultimate statistic. And yet, particularly in the West, it's something that we don't like to talk about. There are many things that we love to talk about and many things that society and the media love to focus on. But death isn't one of them. And yet, all of us will die at some time. And the Bible is clear that after death comes judgment. We will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And our deeds, our words, our thoughts, even the motives of our heart will be exposed before God and all to see. There's no hiding, there's no masking, there's no distracting. You know, kids are experts, aren't they, at distracting about getting out of trouble and they tell little stories or, and, you know, you're having to try and work out what's, what's going on, what really happened. My friends, there's none of that before the one who is perfect in knowledge. Like a computer programmer who can look at the, the coding of the software and know exactly what's happening in the background. God knows exactly what's happening in the background of your heart and of your mind as well. God knows all. And there are ultimately two destinations, destruction or life, according to Jesus. Now, you've got to remember, Jesus is the most loving person to have ever, ever existed. He spoke about love, he spoke about forgiveness, he spoke about kindness, he even spoke about turning of the cheek when people uh, attack you. But he also warned about hell more than any other preacher or person in the Bible. Now, it's not due to some split personality that was going on, but it's because out of love, he wanted you and I to, to choose the path to life and to warn others, because most of us in the room know Jesus, but to warn others onto the path of life and away from the path of destruction. The Bible is clear, you see, that both heaven and hell are future physical realities that we will inhabit with our resurrected bodies. Don't mistake the word there, destruction, to mean that you'll, it will be no more. The Greek word there comes from a root word, which means to be cut off. It's causing someone to be less than they could or should have been. It's about a loss of well-being, not a loss of being itself. Thus, hell is a place completely cut off from God, who is life. Jesus says clearly, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted that the Son also has life in himself. And the Father has given him authority to execute judgment because he's the Son of Man. Don't marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in their tombs, so they've died already, will hear his voice and come out. And those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. You see, God is life and with him is life and everything that is good in life as well. All good things the Bible makes clear 
are from God. They come from our Father above. And God gave us this world to enjoy and to, uh, and to worship him in it and to enjoy it together, to bring him glory. But the moment humanity decided to rebel against God, we cut off ourselves from his life-giving presence. We placed ourselves in rebellion to him and under his judgment, his righteous judgment, sin and death and wickedness entered into the world. But you know, God in his grace in this period of time still allows us to enjoy many of the good things that we see around us and in fact even the good emotions that we have are a thanks to him as well. See, rather than being representatives of God in this world, we became more like squatters living in this world, enjoying the items that he has given us whilst we ruin them, destroy each other, and destroy God's world that we're in. But you see, God, in his goodness, he didn't immediately just throw us out of his presence, as he could have done as criminals, if you like, but he gave and he gives us time to recognize our state before him, to recognize our need of him, to seek him for his forgiveness, and then through the power of the Spirit, choose to become servants again, not squatters in his world. And more than this, through Christ, we get adopted into his family. We become sons and daughters you see, even, though, even when we were squatters, though, and even though people are squatters, they still get to enjoy, in this period, God's good creation. Even good emotions like love, joy, happiness, pleasure, excitement, all those things God allows in his grace for you to experience, because all those things actually come from God. But when Christ returns, the Bible's clear, when he turns to judge, those who have chosen their own way cannot take those good things with them when they are cast out of his presence for all time, when they're totally cut off for him in judgment. And that's why Jesus described hell as a place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth, hinting at the extreme anguish and the despair that people will feel while they're there. Elsewhere, Jesus warns people that, place is a, that hell is a place where the worm will not die and the fire is not quenched. He's using the image of a rubbish tip where the rotting and the burning of it will go on forever and ever. And Revelations 14 adds, and the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever and there is no rest day and night. There's a constant active knowledge of being under God's judgment all of the time. And my friends, that's the awful reality that awaits those who go their own way, who say to God, who are you to tell me how I should live anyway, and I'm just going to live how I want to live, not realizing that he is the one who has given you this world to enjoy. He is the one who gives you those good emotions that you feel. And uh, ultimately, if you continue down that path, he will give you what, you what you want, a life without him. But a life without him is outside of all good things and comes under his judgment. That's a place 
that Jesus warns everyone to not go to. And he gave his life to make a way so that people don't have to go there, because that's where we all deserve to go, but so that we could, through him, go to the place where there is eternal life. Hallelujah. Where we'll be on a renewed and a perfected world, where there'll be no more sin, there'll be no more suffering, there'll be no more sickness or darkness there at us all. No wickedness in that place. God himself will dwell there. Revelations 21, 1 to 4 makes clear, makes clear to us. Ephesians 2, verse 7 makes clear that in heaven is going to be a place where God lavishes his grace and his kindness upon us continually for all eternity. With God is life, you see, my friends. With him is true life, fullness of life, eternal life as well. There's pleasures, the Bible says, forevermore in God's presence. Every day in the age to come with Jesus will be rewarding. Every day will be fun. Every day will be the best of this life and so much more. Just like the light of a candle pales into insignificance compared to the light of the noonday sun. That's the best of this life compared to what God has in store for those who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And my friends, those of you who know Jesus, if you want to be more like Jesus, which we all do, and which this series has been about as well, helping us become like Jesus, then our heart's desire, our prayers, our energy, our time, our finances should be given towards getting people off the path to destruction onto the path of life. It should consume our thinking. In fact, actually, when you look closely at when Jesus talks about it, he often addresses the church about this teaching more than anyone else because he's trying to get our hearts in line with his hearts. Of We don't want people to go there. We want people to be on the path to life. So how do people switch to the path that leads to life? Jesus is very clear. He says, you enter through the narrow gate. What does that mean? Jesus makes it clear in John 10, doesn't he? John 10 verse 9. I am the door, or the older versions used to say, I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Saved from hell, that is. And will go in and out and find pasture. That's a picture there of heaven. John 14, verse 6, makes it, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Remember, with the Father is life and all good things. He's hinting there about the way to God, the way to eternal life. Jesus is the narrow gate that we go through. He is the one who we follow in this life. When we put our faith in him, when we believe in him, we enter through that gate. As it says in John 3, 16, the most famous of all scripture verses, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish in the place of destruction, but have eternal life. What does it mean to believe in Jesus? Well, because the Bible's clear, even the devil 
believes in Jesus. Even the demons believe in Jesus. It doesn't just mean that you believe he existed. It's a belief that causes you to surrender to him as your Lord and Savior. It says a little later in that same passage in John, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Hallelujah. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. See how belief and obedience are linked there together in what Jesus is saying. You see, we are saved by grace through faith, not works. That is true. But true faith leads us to want to do the good works that God has prepared in a, beforehand for us to walk in. Just repeat that to make that clear. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus, not by works. But true faith leads us to want to do the good works that God has prepared for us to walk in in advance. And if you haven't given your life to Jesus here today, or if you're watching online, and actually you're thinking, yeah, I want to get off that path. I realize I don't want to do it my way. I want to do it Jesus' way. His way is the best way. If you want to enter through that narrow gate, then just pray with me this prayer of surrender to Jesus. Even here and now. Just pray in your heart. God knows what you're thinking. As I said, like the computer programmer, he knows what's going on right in the background of your life. So just pray this prayer of surrender. As people getting baptized have done at some point in the past as well. Father, thank you for loving me enough to send Jesus to die on the cross for me. Please forgive me for going my own way, not your way even though you gave me life and all the good things in it. Through the power of your Spirit, who raised Jesus from the dead, come and live in me and help me to live the rest of my life for you. In Jesus' name I ask this. Amen. Holy Spirit, I just pray for the people that prayed that, Lord God, that you would just meet with them, that you would just fill them with your Holy Spirit, and that you would just uh, cause them to go on with you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now before I finish, let me just briefly look at what the journey is like along the path to life compared to the path for destruction. Because as I said, most of us are Christians here. It's actually why I, I've felt freer to preach the message like I did. Because as I say, Jesus, Jesus seemed to address his people, his disciples more about this issue to get their hearts in line with God and to get them motivated to go and share the good news. He didn't seem to use it as a way to try and scare people into, uh, into salvation. But what's the journey like along the path? Compared, uh, path, to, path to life compared to the path to destruction. You see, it's easy, Jesus says, for you to go your own way. It doesn't mean that you won't face trouble. It doesn't mean that you won't face difficulty or tragedy in your life. But it's the natural inclination of our heart to go our own way and to go the way of the world. It's the easier option in life. And my friends, stop pursuing the easy life, this side of eternity. It's the way of the world. It's not the way of Jesus. It's not the way of the cross. Stop getting cross with God when your life is difficult and it doesn't go the way 
that you want it to. Jesus says very clearly, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, the easy life right there. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. It's going to be difficult as we live for Christ in this world. 1 Peter 4 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange was happening to you. That's the hard way he's talking about there, the hardships that we endure for Christ. But rejoice in so far as you share in Christ's sufferings that you also may rejoice as you share with his glory when his glory is revealed. Christchurch, don't get distracted with the easy life. Don't get distracted with pursuing comfort and pleasure. Don't get into bed with the world, so to speak, and absorb our culture's obsession with, oh, let's have life easy, let's have it simple, let's have the good life. The hard way is the way that leads to life, according to Jesus. It starts with making that hard decision of actually saying, no, I'm not going to be the boss of my life, I'm going to surrender my life to Christ. That's how you enter through the narrow gate. And then it continues with a life of surrender, a life of self-sacrifice and serving God, his church, and his people. It is the best way, it is the most rewarding way, but it is the hard way. Jesus says in Matthew 16, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life, whoever wants the easy life, will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? It doesn't sound easy, does it, that passage? I appreciate this preach is not easy this morning. It's challenging, but I feel it's right for God to, to challenge us in this way. Why are you seeking? There's some people here that are getting cross. Why are you seeking the easy life? this side of eternity. If you've chosen to follow Christ, it's not going to be easy. It's the most fulfilling life, most definitely. It's the most eternally rewarding life, for sure. It's the best life, definitely. But it's the hard way in this age. With opposition, with temptations, with trials, with setbacks, with disappointments. It's, it's, it, it's tough. But these come your way because they want to distract you from Christ. They want to derail you from being eternally fruitful that God wants you to be. And they want to, they want to take away from you having the truly fulfilling life that Christ has for you, my friends. So we must choose. We mustn't look to have the easy life. We choose to follow Christ and choose to accept all that comes our way. But you know, my friends, he hasn't left you alone to do that in your own strength. He himself, Jesus says, I'm with you even 
to the end of the age. He's with you always, through the ups and through the downs. And he has given us his Holy Spirit to enable us to live for him, to live for God, to give us the strength to keep going, to give us the desire to keep going, to give us the power when we are weak. And he's also placed us in his, his church to be a place of refuge, to be a place of encouragement, to be a place that says, come on, come on, you can, God, God's, God's got this, God's got your life in hand, you can trust him in this difficult situation. My friends, the way of life through Christ is hard, it's not easy, but it leads to the most glorious future imaginable and saves us from the wrath to come. So through the freely given power supplied by his Holy Spirit, let's choose to walk on his way, not our way, and bring as many people on this way as we possibly can. Amen? Amen. Can I invite the band to, to come back up? I invite you to, to stand as well. As we finish and we use this song as a response uh, song and also as a song for those getting baptised to get ready to come over here uh, to be baptised uh, as well, let's make that decision in our hearts of God. If, there's, if, there's, if you know you've got distracted, if you, you know you're struggling with, God, why is it so difficult? And that's, that's almost become the... Uh, an injustice in your mind. Just choose to surrender that to God, to give that to God and say, God, I trust you. I'm going to follow you. Help me to do all that I can to live for you and to point people to you. Because, my friends, there's a world out there that needs to know Jesus. There's a world out there that needs us to speak Jesus into every situation that we're in, every person that we come upon. We need to be pointing them to him because he is the answer. He's the answer to your situation. He's the answer to their situation. He's the answer uh, that these people getting baptized have discovered to their life as well. Let's be people that choose to speak him and choose to draw strength from him because he is here to be upon us. He is here to help us in the way. So let me just pray for us and then we're going to get ready. And during this song as well, as we didn't do it earlier, we'll, we'll take up the offering as, a, 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 as part of our worship to him. But uh, Father God, thank you that you love us enough, Lord God, to make a way so that we don't go to destruction, Lord God, but that we can have the hope of eternal life that's in Jesus Christ. And Lord Jesus, thank you that you haven't left us here as orphans, but that you have sent your Holy Spirit, not only to help us live for you, but to help us point people to you as well. So, Lord God, I pray, would you come upon us, Lord God? Would you just fill each person in this room? Or would you meet with each person here this morning, Lord God? I pray, Lord God, and help them in whatever situation they're in. Lord, refresh them, encourage them, strengthen them, Lord God, and help them as they walk down the hard way. Lord God, as they walk down the difficult path for you, Lord God, be upon us, I pray. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.